Today we are joined by Peter Le Kirk. Uh, pardon the bad pronunciation, Peter. Thanks so much for the time. Thanks for having me, Joe. So, uh, first question, same as everybody else. Refresh our memory. What were you doing prior to INSEAD, and what have you been up to for the last twenty years? Righty ho. So this is about eighteen minutes of the conversation, I guess. Um, as usual, I was uh, as as usual for for most of the Dutchies uh, in our promotion. I was a, a McKinsey baby, so I was sponsored by uh, by McKinsey, uh, which was basically the only serious job besides some internships and product uh, project stuff that I uh, I'd done as a student. So that was my first real job, and after two years, that, did, this, this is interesting. I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt you so early, but I'm I'm really curious to how like pre MBA people get into McKinsey. So what what was that like in 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 Holland? Is super competitive, I assume. Like, how do they pull people out of out of academia? Blah blah blah. Well, I mean, they uh, the, the the key thing is that they uh, they used to work, we used to uh, run something that was called school teams, and basically those school teams had had recent alumni from from uh, from promising hunting grounds. So for 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 some strange reason, uh, McKinsey in the Netherlands is full of uh, former physics students. And uh, besides the usual economists, engineers, econometricians, but but what uh, one of the things that that we used to do besides just walk in, right? Because everybody would get a serious look at their CVs. But uh, besides the, the the reactive recruiting mode, what what was also done was uh, active reach out to uh, to people that were identified as promising candidate by people that had recently graduated. Thank you. Carry on. Uh, so uh, I, um, I came to, to INSEAD and I hadn't chosen to go into investment banking uh, uh, before uh, my MBA for a lot of personal reasons because I thought that, uh, that, that the Netherlands was a bit of a little league and I was with, uh, with my then Peruvian partner uh, in the Netherlands. I wasn't going to, 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 uh, to go make my life complicated trying to immigrate together to London. Uh, so uh, I went to INSEAD with uh, with a sense, with a relaxed sense about the curriculum, uh, with the desire to score an internship in investment banking, and, and otherwise have uh, have a lot of fun. So, uh, uh, long story short, uh, that's mostly worked out. I was the only summer associate at Les Arts uh, in uh, in London uh, during uh, the summer break before going to to Wharton for two months. Um, but I felt that uh, that consulting was much more uh, aligned with my uh, with my interests, so to say. I got a bit sick and tired of uh, of checking Excel's at uh, at uh, at eleven p.m. So mm -hmm. I uh, I went for two months to to Wharton. Uh, I did another two months of volunteer work in microcredit in Peru, and then on January first, two thousand four, I rejoined McKinsey. So it took it took you one summer internship to realize that investment banking was not for you, and you, you exactly. retreated back to the safe waters of uh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. That uh, that was definitely not uh, not a fit mate in heaven. So I was quite glad I didn't spend two years on it. Mm -hmm. um, so then I, I rejoined McKinsey, and at some point in two thousand six two thousand seven, I, I found myself single. I was serving a couple of banks in the Netherlands and 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 Belgium, and one bank in particular. I mean, I, I can't claim credit for having foreseen the full financial crisis, but uh, the client was very happy with themselves while the organization was completely dysfunctional and they 
they kept making more and more money and nobody could explain me why that was. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, uh, I, I, I hate them anyway. And I was also uh, sort of yearning for, for, for a new adventure. So at that point, I uh, started talking to the South America offices of McKinsey uh, about a transfer. And um, they said, well, you know, come, come do a project. And uh, if you like it, if we like it, uh, we'll, be, we'll be happy to have you. So I did a project in Brazil that wasn't the original planned destination, but uh, uh, after getting to know the bigger context of the Latin America office, I transferred to Brazil in mid-2007. And basically, I've been in Brazil ever since, although not with McKinsey. So how long did you stay with McKinsey when you went to Brazil? Uh, I left about two years after, so it, uh, in, in mid-2009, I, uh, I, I left uh, to pursue greener pastures, or other pastures in any case. Uh, that's when I started uh, my entrepreneurial career phase, uh, when I uh, owned, uh, owned an online insurance brokerage uh, in, in Brazil, which, uh, for which we raised two rounds of capital, uh, we sold it once, uh, and that that sale uh, fell through. Uh, that 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 was also a bit of a messy story. That what which is why why. Well, well let's 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 go back to the, the the genesis of this. Well, why did you decide to start uh, you know an insurance company? Where, where did the idea come from? Where, where, blah blah blah. So uh, the Netherlands uh, and Brazil are both uh, insurance uh, markets in which insurance are predominantly sold by brokers. And I uh, believed, or I wanted to believe, that in the Netherlands, I had sort of seen the future of insurance brokerage, uh, in which uh, there was more uh, online comparison and online sale of actual insurance products. Uh, the, the, the sector in Brazil was at the time extremely archaic. I mean, I, I still got, uh, in the first months, first year of my company, I still got like CDs in the mail, which I then had to sort of install my computer with with the rate schedule and that sort of sort of completely bizarre things. Uh, so um, and 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 also the 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 pricing in the market was extremely intransparent. So we felt that uh, that that having seen the future, uh, we we would we'd be able to make a big splash in the Brazilian. Market. And was your was your um, insight? simply from perspective of a consumer or had you done some insurance projects with with McKinsey so you had some sort of behind yeah, the scenes yeah. so I, I had done a broker project in, in in the Netherlands as well as in Brazil so I I'd okay. seen okay. seen the seen the equation uh, on both sides and also from from the insurance company to to the outside so that uh, that that gave me a little bit more comfort so mm-hmm. uh, that was a that was a was a bit of a, a bit of an adventure for for seven years uh, as I said, to run. Yeah, this was really, that's really, you know, ambitious. You're, you're quite literally playing on foreign soil. Uh, and you know, how do, how do you, uh, you probably have obviously some unfair advantages per those, the work you've done in, in insurance, but you know, talk about like what, when reality slapped you in the face of trying to get something off the ground in, in Brazil, what was that like? Well, I mean, we, we, we were extremely prudent. Uh, so all the, the usual things about tax and, and labor law, uh, uh, we, we managed to, to duck those. Uh, the, the, the thing that, that was really, uh, that, that we really didn't uh, sufficiently consider in our planning was that uh, it happens to be the case that uh, car insurance isn't mandatory in Brazil. So instead of having uh, a mandatory product that um, 
where you have a deadline towards which you have to sell or otherwise you're going to get fined if you get on the road with your car. Uh, you actually have to convince uh, the customer that insurance is a better use of his money than uh, repairing the washing machine, uh, paying the credit card bill. So instead of having a slick digital marketing machine, we ended up running a call center with at its peak like 70, 70, uh, 70 positions. So that was uh, the, the, the nature of the business uh, turned out to be to be different. Uh, than we than we anticipated, and and we had pretty good unit economics, uh, especially better than our clients. We had again uh, our competitors. We had a bunch of competitors coming into the market trying to blast their way in with with millions of marketing budget. We even had a even had a competitor that sponsored the games of the, the Brazilian national squad and that that sort of crazy stuff. Um, wow. But uh, in but, the end, no, but oftentimes that oftentimes that helps, you know, just raises awareness for for you know the the, the category and and you know yeah yeah. Or, or well, is that I not mean, the case? Well, I mean, I think it it helps. Uh, I think in the end we came to the conclusion that uh, uh, we we did transform the industry, but we weren't ap- we weren't really able to capture all the benefits because the the most of the benefits went either to Google. Or to the consumers who got much better prices, but uh, the, the the bottom line from our perspective wasn't wasn't the best uh, thing ever. So that's when we when we decided to sell out. We, we managed talk, to get... talk about this uh, failed transaction. Like, what was the uh, to the extent you can share? Well, I mean, I, I, it's it's pretty transparent. Otherwise, you can find it all in the court documents. So we had a, 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 a non binding <laughs> a non binding letter of intent. Uh, we finished all the due diligence. We signed. Uh, we signed uh, a binding letter of intent with uh, with sort of like non-completion fines and everything, and then basically uh, the, the 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 foreign shareholder, British again, uh, not sure it's a trend, but that was what uh, Jamie's experience was too, right? But uh, then the British shareholder basically uh, stopped putting money into the into the stuff, so they didn't even fully pay the break fee. Mm. Which, of course, left us uh, somewhat scrambling because we had nicely dimensioned the break fee to allow us to to run a whole fundraising circus uh, and and pay the operating losses while we were doing that. So, but it sounds like you you eventually did sell it. We did. We did eventually mm. uh, eventually sell it uh, on, on less favorable terms uh, to a Brazilian financial group and. Eight months later, or so, I I stepped away from the business. Uh-huh. And what what year would this have been? Uh, that would have been two thousand sixteen that I uh, that I left. Okay, okay, all right. Uh, so what what's what's been going on for the last seven or eight years? So I took a sabbatical in which I did some freelance uh, uh, freelance stuff. I, I I did a little bit of uh, work for a Dutch billionaire who who bought a gambling company in uh, in Italy, which. Uh, had a number of predictable problems, but it was a. Fair how did you How did you find this guy? How did you find a Dutch billionaire with a gambling company? Uh, so I I had visited a Dutch friend in Argentina, and I had lunch with him and his sister, whom I didn't know. And then three months out of the blue, uh, I get an in inbox uh, in my LinkedIn. I think my husband should talk to you because uh, his boss has done a transaction, and it sounds like a good fit for you. So that was. <laughs> That sounds like fun. Yeah, so that was uh, that was very colorful, uh, although although short. Uh, then um, about one year uh, into sabbatical, with a bit of freelancing later, I joined IBM, 
um, as their head of uh, insurance consulting in Latin America, which um, I, I was I was uh, impressed. Uh, I mean, a lot of people are going to go like, how stupid can you be, right? After being an entrepreneur for seven years, you joined IBM, right? Well, uh, I, you know what? I, I, having done a little entrepreneurship myself and getting, getting, uh, you know, having to eat glass for a while, the, taking a big, comfortable job at a big company is, uh, is, is quite attractive. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it, it was attractive, and and I was very inspired by the by the by the guys that hired me, but. Uh, the most important guy that hired me left after four months, and then uh, after after uh, another uh, seven months, uh, they basically uh, fired everybody who he had hired. So they made a complete oh, turn on it. And oh. also, what, what was sort of like bizarre about IBM is that you notionally run a forty million dollar P and L, but still you have to sort of beg for signatures in order to spend two hundred dollars to fly to Rio to sign it, to visit the client. Mm-hmm. So it's like. Mm-hmm. And would, would that would that an artifact of, of the local Brazilian management, or is that just how big, dumb American companies work everywhere? Well, it, it's actually funny that you mentioned it, right? Because I, I, I've been at McKinsey, it was the only real company I'd ever worked for. And then, then you have all those OB cases about dysfunctional organizations and incentives and internal politics. And I always had something like, this can't be true, right? Right? And then you go <laughs> to IBM and ask, oh, yeah, it can be true, actually. So that was... <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I guess that it, 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 it's not particularly because it's an American company, but uh, I, I, it is a big corporate company, which was for me a complete novel and not very successful <laughs> adventure. Yes, yes. All right, then, then what? So then I actually uh, uh, joined as a freelancer uh, a couple of uh, uh, companies founded by former McKinsey colleagues. Uh, and I joined as freelancer, not because they wouldn't have me, because I basically said, look, if you send me boring projects, I want to be able to say no. Uh, so I, I don't want to have this whole uh, billing discussion and be invited to do some uh, some, 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 some horrible uh, uh, forestry project in the middle of the Amazon for three months. Uh, <laughs> So sounds I, great, but go on. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, for some people, I guess. Uh, so I, I, I associate myself freelance with a couple of companies, one in the Netherlands and one in Brazil. And I also did some, some freelance companies in my own account. Spent also quite a bit of time working in the, in the Caribbean, Suriname to be more specific, uh, where I designed, for instance, the shared ATM network of the, the biggest banks in Suriname. Uh, which is now operational, so I always get happy when I see a shared ATM in Suriname. It sounds like you're sort of becoming the uh, sort of the the pan Latin American insurance guy. Is that is that a fair characterization? Uh, actually, I've also done a fair bit of banking work. So uh, okay. just to characterize it all as uh, as insurance would be would be uh, would be a bit restrictive, and and a fair bit of my work also uh, continues to be in Europe. Which uh-huh. is okay. uh, which is a nice arbitrage to to make uh, to make euros and pay taxes and pay your life expenses here in Brazil. So my, my summary was completely incorrect. Sorry, uh, I've got a, a, another another question. I mean, uh, having spent a little time there myself, I know Sao Paulo is not the easiest place to live and probably work. Uh, what's what you've been there for? What fifteen years now? What, what's what, what's 16, what's the draw? 17. Yeah. 
I think I, I would disagree with you. I mean, I'm completely passionate about Sao Paulo. I always uh, had this in Rio and everything, so I've completely gotten into the mood. I even got the passport to prove it. Uh, uh-huh. I think that, that Sao Paulo is actually, uh, in Brazil, by far the easiest city to work in. I mean, the the most uh, uh, all right, the, mo- the most professional, let's say, but but from from a total lifestyle uh, equation, they're they're probably it probably scores somewhat low in certain areas. Let's say. Well, let's put it this way: it is uh, the safest big city in Brazil, uh, actually. Uh, although it's somehow people seem to believe Rio is safer than Sao Paulo, which is definitely not. Uh, mm-hmm. Whatever you have in terms of of actual uh, dangerous crime, rather than just snatching purses and phones. Uh, happens uh, quite far from where you are. I'm living here right on top of the the intersection of two major subway lines, so I can actually do a fair bit of my life uh, just hopping into the metro. There's an amazing diversity, uh, both within the city, culturally, culinary. Um, I uh, I have beautiful golf courses within uh, one hour's drive, so it's uh, it's it's a nice life and i get to have breakfast on my balcony for 330 days a year so that's also nice yeah oh, that's that's a you've you've embraced the the urban lifestyle perhaps i'm just a, a small town boy yeah uh what are you up to now so uh i hatched a plan for 2022 2023 to spend a year closer to my to my dad who was getting old uh, and I took a sabbatical to study again. I, so I went and uh, did a master's degree in uh, in Leuven in Belgium. Uh, actually, the plan of being close to dad didn't quite work out because he he uh, he passed away uh, in April twenty two. But uh, that that gave me a, a year to be a bit closer to my to my. Uh, to my family, we solved uh, my dad's estate. It was it, it sounds a bit weird to, to say it. But it was actually fun to do that with my brothers because we never really tackled a project because of geography differences, age differences, and all that sort of stuff. And I mm-hmm. had the chance to I see uh, see one of my nieces getting wedded and uh, uh, having one seeing one of my nephews uh, uh, graduate in in Switzerland. So there was there was a nice year of reconnection, and now I'm back on the road basically. Uh, pretty much doing uh, the same sort of freelance stuff that uh, that I did before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and these are you you mentioned you know having lunch with a with with a, a, a Dutch billionaire reconnecting through your McKinsey colleagues. How how are you finding these projects? Uh... So a fair bit comes uh, comes from those uh, those those freelance affiliations that I have. Uh, some also come from from personal networks. Uh, in that. Uh, uh, my undergrad university is a is a is a a, a, a recurring a recurring source, uh, but also indeed former McKinsey colleagues. Yeah, yeah, and you probably carved out quite a, a niche, as you mentioned, a finance uh, insurance guy in 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 Latin America and Europe. There's there's probably not a whole bunch of people like you. Yeah, although I mean, I, I've done uh, done some some weird stuff, right? So I've worked for the Caterpillar importer somewhere in the Guyanas, and I've done uh, cost, cost reduction in an airplane uh, airplane parts manufacturer in the in the Midwest. Uh, although one of the conclusions uh, uh, was that I didn't quite find that as satisfying as working in financial services, but I've done some weird stuff as well. Uh, uh, in so you're a bit of a Swiss Army knife. Uh, well, maybe uh, I'm uh, I'm sharper in some context than in others. 
All right. Final question, two-parter. Is there anything that we as the community can do to help you and vice versa? What are you able to to offer to to, to the rest of us? So um, there, there's one specific question that I'm wrestling with, and I'm very keen to hear, uh, keen to hear how other people in our promotion have uh, have have solved that. So I'm keen to be involved in startups, and I find just sitting on the board and 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 holding forth every three months uh, to be a bit too hands off, uh, while sort of like having a real uh, a functional commitment is a bit too close for comfort in my case. So I'm, I'm really curious to hear uh, what other classmates have, have developed uh, as, as for them successful models that are hybrids between those two extremes uh, when it comes to, to engaging with startups. So that, that would be a very specific ask that came to mind since I knew where you were going to ask this question. Um, as as in terms of offering, look, I'm happy to uh, to 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 offer my unreserved Dutch uh, opinion on anything that uh, you'd be interested in, uh, and uh, I'm always happy to take people out uh, uh, in Sao Paulo whenever they're here. So please uh, please shout out, and we'll set something up. All right, so we got we got uh, some you know free Dutch advice and uh, and a drinking partner uh, in in Sao Paulo. Uh, and and that's it's, let, let me you know perhaps incorrectly summarize yet again what you just told me. But the the first part of of it almost sounds like a uh, a way to kind of back into a, a half retirement sort of thing where you're working with a number of startups, not you know as an employee or for full fully you know operational, mm-hmm. but maybe helping them expand into your market or or exactly. or, or what have you. Exactly, and and so which is more hands on than just being on the board, and 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 also a little bit more continuously involved than just being a consultant. So I'm very interested mm-hmm. to hear the hybrid models that have worked for other people. I'd be interested to hear the same answer if you if you if 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 you hear from anybody, please uh, please share that. Uh, sure. However, however you can. Sure. Peter, thanks so much. Really, really good catching up. Great to see you. Okay. Likewise. Ciao. Take care.